Our scripture reading today is from John, chapter 3, verses 1 through 17. Now there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a leader of the Jews. He came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do apart from the presence of God. Jesus answered him, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Nicodemus said to him, How can anyone be born after having grown old? Can one enter a second time into the mother's womb after being born? Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. What is born of flesh is flesh, and what is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be astonished that I said to you, you must be born from above. The wind blows where it chooses, and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered, Are you a teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Very truly I tell you, we speak of what we know and testify to what we have seen. Yet you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you about earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish but have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Good morning. Let me introduce Nicodemus. His name means conqueror of the people, and you might think it is an unusual name. He is the only Nicodemus mentioned in the Bible. Actually, the name was quite common in his day. He was one of four boys named Nicodemus in his class growing up in Jerusalem. I am what is called a Pharisee. I'm proud to say it, although I am fully aware that many of Jesus' followers today cast aspersions on our character. We were also called teachers of the law, were rabbis. At, ha- at heart, we were all students. Students of the Torah, seeking to know and love our God by the study of the Scriptures. Please understand that not all of us Pharisees were thick-headed, although Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, 
recorded numerous confrontations between Jesus and some of my colleagues. In fact, there were many more of us, Joseph of Arimathea, myself, and many others who became followers of Jesus, just like you. Well, perhaps not just like you. We did have the advantage of meeting Jesus during his lifetime. Well, you have only the written record and the witness of the Spirit to go on. But then again, being a follower of Jesus is much safer in most parts of the world today than it was back then. That is, by the way, why, as John reports, Nicodemus went to seek counsel with Jesus by night. A man of his position couldn't afford to be seen with the others who followed Jesus through the streets of Jerusalem by the light of the day. He was also a member of the Jewish High Council, the Sanhedrin. That would be, in your system, something of a combination between the Supreme Court and Congress. Although the more I hear today, the less willing I am to make that connection. In my time, we're well respected by the people for our wise and equitable administration of government. There is for us no distinction between the temporal life and the spiritual life of the people. We are to live by the commandments of God in all our dealings with one another, whether we are in Sabbath worship or in the marketplace. The council's job is to make the application of God's commandments clear enough so that everyone can obey them. Nicodemus had many conversations with Jesus. That's right, I said many conversations. John told you about the first one, but there were more, many more. But for Nicodemus, the first was the most memorable. John was clever in his writing style, always trying to use words that had double meanings and putting more into a phrase than frequently would meet the eye at first glance. For example, when he said, I went to Jesus by night, he was reporting the facts. It was close to midnight when I went to meet with the Master. But when John said, I went to Jesus by night, he was also implying that I was stumbling around in spiritual darkness. He was right about that, too. I remember the conversation as if it were just last night. Rabbi, I began, we know that you are a teacher sent by God. No one could perform the miracles you are doing unless God were with him. No one indeed. There had been reports in Jerusalem of Jesus healing the sick, turning water into wine, feeding 5,000 men with barely enough food to satisfy a Roman soldier. But we all know how rumors get started. But when Jesus began performing signs and miracles before our very eyes, uh, giving sight to a man born blind, raising people from their graves, healing a lame man who had waited for years beside the pool at Bethesda, 
It was impossible to dismiss him after that. Now, I know others tried to trap Jesus with words like mine, but there was deceit in their hearts. I spoke out of true respect. It was as if Jesus could see right through me. Instead of responding to what I said, he spoke directly to you and to me. I am telling you the truth. No one can see the kingdom of God without being born again. Born again? If I hadn't been sitting down, my knees would have buckled beneath me. Those words hit Nicodemus like a strong wind. What I said in response may have sounded unintelligent, but please remember the term was not familiar to me. How can a grown man be born again? He certainly cannot enter his mother's womb and be born a second time. Now... I had heard many of Jesus' parables, some from his own lips. I knew he was a skillful teacher who used brilliant metaphors and sharp images to get his point across, but here I was, an old man, nearly 60, told to climb back into the womb of my mother. God, rest her soul. Merciful heavens. Jesus smiled at me. He knew I was trying hard to understand, but like so many of my fellow Pharisees, I had been so long schooled in the strict interpretation of Torah that I was having difficulty seeing the forest but the trees. He explained to me patiently what he meant. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the Spirit. Do not be surprised because I tell you that you must be born again. The wind of the Spirit blows wherever it wishes. You hear the sound it makes, but you don't know where it comes from or where it's going. It it is like that with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus was still a little fuzzy on the details, but he was beginning to see what Jesus was getting at. And then Jesus said, As Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the desert, in the same way the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but may have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Those words have never been completely out of my mind since the moment Jesus spoke them. Again, I was glad to be sitting down. It was still dark outside, but I felt like a light had been turned on inside me. 
God's love for the world, God's love for you and for me, was so strong, so deep, that God was offering us the gift of eternal life so that we might experience that love forever. Nicodemus didn't sleep a wink that night. He kept turning over in his mind what Jesus had said. Being born physically and spiritually, that was beginning to sink in. God having such a profound love for every one of us as children, that Jesus came to deliver an invitation to everlasting life and never-ending relationship with God. That was news nearly too good to be true. Yes. So good, in fact, that many people then and now want to narrow or limit the scope of God's love. But God's love has always found a way to overcome any barrier we might be foolish enough to construct. Even embracing those who claim God hates some of God's own children and those who express hatred toward them. May I just say that there's many a street above where people who never expected to see each other in heaven are now neighbors. I just love God's sense of humor. But that part about the Son of Man being lifted up in the same way that Moses lifted up the bronze snake on the pole in the desert, it was some time before Nicodemus understood what Jesus meant by that. It was only hours before the Passover festival began that year. The Sanhedrin were called into a special evening session. There had been talk for weeks of arresting Jesus. I spoke out once asking why we were so willing to set aside our laws and condemn someone without a fair hearing. I could see, though, that Jesus' opponents were the most powerful among us. Caiaphas, our high priest, and Annas, his father-in-law, had said that it would be better for Jesus to die, even if he were innocent, than for many to die in an uprising of the people. They were more afraid of the Romans than they dared admit. And especially at Passover, when the Romans are a little nervous themselves because of the crowds, Rome tripled the garrison in Jerusalem for the high holy days. But even at that, they were outnumbered ten to one by Jews who had come from across the land to commemorate God's liberation of our people from oppression. Just as Moses led our people to freedom from slavery in Egypt, there was talk that Jesus would lead us to victory over the Romans. I knew that wasn't why Jesus had come, but Caiaphas just wouldn't listen. Sometimes power and position bring with them a kind of paranoia that I suppose the rest of us don't understand. I hope we never will. You know the events of Jesus' arrest, death, 
and crucifixion as well as I, and it is painful for me to even think of them. I will not recount the details to you now, but I will tell you that when Joseph of Arimathea and I learned that Jesus' body had been taken down from the cross, it took every ounce of courage in both of us to go to the Roman officer in charge and ask that it be turned over to us for burial. I am convinced he agreed because he recognized Joseph and I as trusted members of the council. There were already rumors swirling around Jerusalem that Jesus had promised to rise from the dead and the chief priests were most concerned that Jesus be given a decent and secure burial. For if anybody stole the body, it may have given credence to those stories. Nicodemus purchased enough spices and linen cloth to properly prepare the body. But time was so short The Sabbath observance began officially at sundown, and they had barely enough time to reach the tomb that Joseph's family had recently purchased. Some of the women who had traveled with Jesus promised to return after the holiday to complete the embalming. So they wrapped Jesus' body with the spices in the cloths and with the help of two men working in the garden, rolled the stone across the entrance. As Joseph and I walked away, we talked about all that Jesus had taught us, about God and about ourselves. We would never be the same because of him. It was then that I told Jesus about my first encounter with Jesus and how he had talked about being born again, being born spiritually, in addition to our physical birth. Joseph said, Maybe that's what Jesus meant. I'm not the same person I was before him. Just then, three days later, I received word that the women, when the women went to complete the proper burial procedures, they found the tomb empty. It was even said that Jesus was alive. Peter and the other fishermen didn't believe at first. Somehow, I knew that it was true. I thought again about what Jesus had said about being born again. And I wept like a newborn baby. We are sent now from this service by the one who sent his son, Jesus Christ, as salvation for the world he so loves. May the Lord keep your going out and your coming in from this time on and forevermore. Amen. listening to this podcast of the First United Methodist Church in Turlock, California. 
This podcast is distributed under a Creative Commons non-commercial share-alike license. For more information about our church, visit www.fumcturlock.org or call the church at 209-668-3000. Visitors are always welcome. And now, may the peace of the Lord dwell in your hearts this day, and may God bless you.